I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of DD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. Today, Lenny Reed, the owner of Dynamite Diesel Products, is going to be joining us. And I wanted to ask him a few questions about fuel economy and then also... We've been getting a lot of requests for people who are, they've never bought a set of injectors before. And I wanted to have Lenny tell us what are three things that you need to ask any company before, before you purchase injectors, whether it's for, you know, a truck that you daily drive with or something that's high end performance, race truck, sled pulling, something like that. So I wanted his uh, opinion on, uh, on uh, what to ask and then also get some updates from them. They've been really busy at Dynamite Diesel Products with a lot of cool innovations, a lot of cool new things. Before we get to it though, I'm going to give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors. First is Amsoil. <clears throat> They're going to be joining us for a series of new episodes this year. Um, we have one coming up. So if there's things that you guys want to know from Amsoil, whether it's about engine oil, transmission fluid, coolant, any of the products they have, make sure and send us a message. Um, drop a comment on YouTube. We're always checking those things. Or you can head on over to our Discord. You're going to see a link down below for that. It's completely free to join. It's, uh, it's a really cool place to be able to interact with other Diesel Podcast fans and get opinions on your truck build parts to use or if you're trying to troubleshoot things if you're just you know fighting a problem on a six liter power stroke or five nine cummins or six seven power stroke or lbc um lly anything like that and a really great group of guys that are over there um there's lots of uh really cool builds too that you guys are working on so make sure to head on over there if you'd like to be even more involved with the diesel podcast we're gonna have a link down below to our Patreon, and we we price the tiers. Um, you know, they're as low as three dollars a month. But what Patreon allows us to do is to invest in other things to make the podcast better, whether it's audio, video, um, you know, tons of different things with the website, um, you know, things that that just cost money as far as being able to maintain and improve. That's what those uh, th- that's what your support goes to. So um, you check out the link down below. Um, if you have any questions about it, you can always you know send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, um, or to info at the dieselpodcast.com. We're always checking things and, and love to hear from you guys. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Lenny and chatting about what Dynamite Diesel Products has been up to. Three questions you need to ask any in- injector builder and uh, what his thoughts are with the rising cost of diesel fuel. Lenny, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I'm excited to chat with you today as I always am. It's uh, It's been a busy start to the, to the year. You guys have been... Uh, busy with a lot of cool new things so glad to have you back on the 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 podcast i actually did an episode recently um with a, a truck guy and he was telling me about his truck build and he's he's like i love lenny's episodes i listen to him over and over and over again when's he coming on next <laughs> and i kept saying soon well as soon as today so i'm sure he'll appreciate it so what do you guys been uh what you guys been up to so far in, in the 2022 well, I mean, like you saw that we just worked on the patent and that wasn't something that just happened. That's been in the works for like two years. So, you know, it's kind of the whole thing where like work, the work goes behind the scenes. Nobody ever sees it, cares about it, pays attention to it. And then when you finally like get somewhere, everybody goes, oh, wow, you just did that. It's like, no, we didn't just do that. We've just been working on that for a while. And even prior to applying for that, like the work that went into it was a lot. You, you waste a lot of parts, you waste a lot of time. But those, I, I can't call it a waste because you're always learning. Even if you learned how to do it wrong, you still learned something, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the patent's good. So just a little bit of technology that nobody else ever thought of or tried. We tried it. And of course, you know, it's uh, it has its applications where it works really, really, really well. And then it's got applications where it doesn't work at all. So we've learned how to employ that overall average. So it enhances the the cold start, the 
the throttle response, trying to get the turbochargers to spool up a little bit. But if you overdo it, then it destroys the top end horsepower and just makes it a bunch of like smoky, nasty mess. So you really got to pay attention to like what you're doing and who you're doing it for. Um, but yeah, it's just another, it's another alternative. It's another idea. Uh, the reason why I applied for the patent is because I wanted to make sure that if I was doing it, that in the future, that someday somebody wasn't going to mail me a letter saying, oh, by the way, you're copying us. So now you owe us a bunch of money or you just have to stop. Uh, and I, you know, that was, that was the whole drive and the whole design behind applying for it because I knew that it was a good idea. I knew that worked and I knew that, you know, my customers deserved to have it when it was applicable. Yeah. What's, what sort of, uh, what sort of applications do you, do you think it applied to? Like would it apply to really any diesel truck or is there kind of a certain, uh, a certain type, a certain type of like truck owner that would really benefit from, you know, what you may do with that patent? Uh, well, one of the things that comes to mind is uh, like Scott Birdsall, the guy that ran up Pikes Peak and now is the current fastest diesel vehicle going up Pikes Peak. We used that on his injectors because he comes into the turn, has to get out of the gas pedal, has to leave the turn and accelerate as hard as possible. So response time, turbocharger response time and exhaust gas temperature control was critical for that vehicle because you start at like 9,000 feet and drive your way up to 14,000 feet. And if you look at like Chuckles Garage on YouTube and watch the in cab video of that truck, the camera shoots right through the smokestack. And you can see that there's like a light haze that comes out. And then when it makes full boost, there's absolutely nothing. The whole way up the mountain, you can watch that video just to prove that it actually works. So in his application, where it's not like spinning a bunch of high RPM, it was ideal and it was perfect. In an application like a sled pull kind of a guy where you're trying to make all your horsepower up top upstairs you don't care about drivability downstairs it's not ideal um, in a drag race application if you've got an injector that's virtually too big then you can add this to it and it'll help get the thing up on the on the stall converter and get it spooled up at the line but there again if you overdo it then it destroys the top end horsepower so you really got to it's not a one size fits all kind of a thing. It's definitely like, uh, I mean, we've got some recipes that seem to be, but it's taken us, I guess we've been playing with this idea now for three years. So it's taken us three years of experience to actually come up with what we've got for data. Yeah, I remember I had Scott uh, from Chuckles Garage on and he was telling us about the injectors and the response and you know, with the elevation and, and what he's doing at that, uh, at that race, you know, it was really, it was really cool to hear you know, hear about it just and i remember seeing the videos there's like it's hardly anything that you see come out of the out of the uh, exhaust yeah no it's it's definitely kind of cool to watch and it's it that's a video that didn't really it didn't get a whole lot of traction for whatever reason but it's a good video to watch like it's an in cab of the truck you get to see the data logger you get to see that you know out the windshield it's a, it's a fun video to watch um I should ask him if I could borrow that video and then post it to our social media as well. But yeah, no, it's, uh, that's just one application. Um, will it work for everybody? Nope. Does it work for most street driven vehicles? Yes. If it's a cold climate vehicle, it's absolutely wonderful for a cold climate vehicle. So it's got its things, you know, like every, if there was one recipe that mastered all engines, there wouldn't be a need for two, right? Like everybody would just copy that. It would be perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were telling me, you were telling me uh, some more injector stuff before we, we got started. I think you brought some, uh, some examples to, 
to show which of our YouTube audience will be able to see some things that, that you're chatting about? Um, yeah, like there's like, we're always working on new stuff. We're always trying stuff. We're always, you know, monkeying with things and then asking questions in house, applying them to motors that we get to drive around on the streets and things like that. Like pretty much everybody on this, in this crew, almost, I think everybody here basically owns a diesel of some sort. So we're always trying different ideas and vehicles and Matt, and like we work him to the bone, just trying to get all the stuff running and keep it running around here and you know what we've been lacking on in the past couple of years was having a dyno because when you've you know i that was the first tool i ever bought coming into this industry was a dyno and then i sold it now donovan harris has it up in armor so we haven't had that dyno on the ground for like two years now and i just took for granted how easy it was for me to walk out throw it down and then see what it did you know like actually have a real measured and I took for granted because now I'm having to use customers. All right, well, I'm gonna send these to you. I want you to dyno them, check data, blah, blah, blah. And 85% of the time, 90% of the time, we don't get the data back. If it runs poorly, we hear about it. If it runs good, never hear a word, right? So um, that's been a real struggle with like our Duramax stuff. Like we're not really known for Duramax stuff, I feel like. And I finally got a guy that was willing to work with me. Uh, his name's Craig McElfresh. And he's, He's really sharp. It's fun to work with him. Uh, he's a PPL, like Duramax guy. So he's big into like two, six and three O sled pull stuff. He's good at data. Um, you know, I think, and the, the whole like sled pull camps, they're also private and they're also secretive. They don't want to share anything. And uh, of course, when you start giving somebody a set of injectors, you don't necessarily know if you want to give it your A game right out of the gate, because if a guy just takes your injectors and then hands them to somebody else, well, then he's right where you are, right? And if they're in front of you or behind you, they at least know where you're at. So with PPL stuff, since it is such a competitive sport, there's always that secrecy and that privacy. And, you know, you don't want to share data from, say, Craig to everybody else. And uh, that's one thing with, like, on street-driven vehicles, people don't, like, the, the average guy on the street doesn't understand that just because you ask for X amount of holes and X amount of liters per minute or X amount of percent over, that does not mean you're getting the same injector as the other guy. Uh, I recently got my ass chewed by another guy that was upset because everybody's getting six holes. I'm like, yeah, well, it's a hole count. That doesn't mean that everybody's getting the same injector as you because that guy is extremely good at data and he wants the rate shape to be exactly perfect so he gets an injector that's six holes at this many degrees of spray angle. It injects this much fuel during this much injector on time. But his injector is a lot faster than other people's because he's a lot sharper and he can tune it correctly. Not everybody gets the same injector because, A, they're not asking for it. When they go to the dyno and they start asking me for little tweaks and little tweaks and little tweaks, that's up to them to... I'm just a custom injector builder. I can do, you know, almost anything you ask, but you need to ask for it. Otherwise, I don't know what the heck you want. And not everybody will, not everybody's always going to be happy with the exact same recipe. So it's not my responsibility to teach somebody what to build or how to build it. If they say, you know, I'm here and I need to get there, what are the next directions that I need to take? Then I can show them two or three different options. But as a custom injector builder, like I'm just trying to make sure that I give them options on, on navigating through some of the headaches. 
Um, because that's one thing you'd mentioned is everybody gets hung up on percent over and, and liters per minute. And those are two really simple terms. And uh, on the street, that may mean a lot. And to the, the beginning guy that's learning how to drag race or sled pull, that's a good spot to start. It's not the end game, though. Yeah, I think I think when it comes to certain certain parts of a truck, and it's not just injectors, is it's for not experts, which most of us aren't. Um, we don't understand the whole concepts of it. Like, and I've talked with companies about torque converters, and I kind of in general have an idea, but I don't know the details of all the things they go into. Same thing with injectors. So I think we fall back to okay, well, what's the liters per minute or the percent over stock? And then we look for like these horsepower recipes that people have done and they tell us what turbo to run, what percent over stock injector, what this, what that. And then, I mean, I've even done that myself when, when I would, you know, want to drag race or something like that. And I wouldn't have the same result as somebody else. There's so many other factors involved in it that it's like, yeah, I just bought all these things and I didn't get exactly where I wanted to go because it's not just like, one set up to you know be able to achieve every single goal it varies so much yeah you know that so yesterday i was uh, walking through the home depot looking at tile and grout and all that kind of stuff for my house right and uh there was a gentleman that hit me up the day before and he said that he was a customer of dominic from starlight so a uh, shout out to dom for you know sending somebody our way i appreciate it um basically dominic and this guy had been working on this tuning and they're waiting on a set of injectors. Uh, the injector company was basically at a point where they couldn't send them anything that, that was going to work. So the, the customer then reaches out to me and says, okay, well, Dominic told me to give you a buzz and find out what you could do to help me. I said, number one, go, jump on Dynamite Diesel's website, custom injector order form. You fill it out. Tomorrow morning, Skylar and I will go through it and we'll call you with any questions, concerns, comments, or recommendations. As soon as you fill that out, like you can tell me for 45 minutes as I'm walking around Home Depot half-assed kind of paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to remember all this shit tomorrow. Yeah. So if you'll fill it out on paper, when I go to Skylar, and that's the only thing on our mind is those race waivers, we focus on those. We talk about stuff. If there's stuff that we don't... Uh, that's not, we're not, if I'm not hundred percent clear, he's not hundred percent clear. We try to go back and look at other people's notes on what was successful and what wasn't. And then we come to that race waiver and say, this is what we recommend. We recommend this because this proved here, this proved there, this proved wrong here. Um, so we, that helps us a lot. And with parts, it's taken us at least two years of working on needle valve design, needle to nozzle clearance, and overall just getting blanks that we had. Because when we're not, when you when you use like a motorsports nozzle or, you know, any brand of nozzle, it came with a factory hole count, whether that factory hole count was six or seven or eight or whatever. And then it came at a different spray angle. So I'll use my arms as a, uh, so if this is 180 degrees, and this would be 90 degrees. So we'd have like 124 and then we'd have like 143. Well, if you've got seven holes at 143 from the factory and you're trying to copy seven hole, but you want them at 124, well, then you've got to shove a rod big enough through that. And you've got basically, oh, about, 
hot 50 to 60 thousandths of, of rifle barrel right there that you need to try and blow open large enough that you recreate your entire angle. That's just a garbage way to do it. You get it to where it looks good on the outside, but it looks like shit on the inside. And then you've got two spray passages feeding one hole on the inside at different angles. I see that stuff all the time. It's garbage. Um, starting with a blank was expensive. Like we order them several hundred at a time and the initial investment was a lot, but the sky is the limit because we can put, we can put four holes in there. We can put 14 holes in there, whatever you want, we can do. And we can do it with whatever angle and whatever wire diameter you want. With the new AFM, abrasive flow machining, we're learning. So when we got that machine, bear in mind, this is something that Cummins and Caterpillar and, you know, Delphi and, and big OEMs use every single day, right? Their media was set for a certain hole size because they're going to run the exact same part 6,000 times a day. So they, they build a system that makes it very efficient for them to just bust out 6,000 pieces every single day without killing anybody. When we do what we're doing, we're going from three thousandths all the way up to on an average day, uh, 21 thousandths. We can go bigger, but on the average day, 21's kind of our, our biggest hole around here. So going from three thou to 21 thou, trying to get the media to to work it, it it's very difficult so if you run the part too long the hydro machining starts to create like a almost a heart-shaped orifice on the outside like it actually physically kind of looks like a heart um which that's not going to give you the atomization and the plume that you want so we're learning with AFM where our media needs to be. And we're currently on our third or fourth update of media already. And uh, because each time we, we up up the media, up up the media, up up the media, we're going further away from what OEMs would normally want or do or what yeah. they would with. And we're, we're getting more into our own custom kind of variation. Um, and it seems to be effective. And I think that we're teaching the company that we're getting the media from I think we're teaching them something as well because nobody's ever asked them for this. Yeah. Like it was enough. So they were fine with it. Um, so yeah, with, and then choosing, if somebody calls me and says, Hey, look, I want to, I want a six hole at 10 thousandths of one inch. And I don't know where you came up with that number, but if you'll put on paper, how much horsepower you're trying to make and, and what size turbocharger you've got, I will then dictate like, okay, if this guy's going to run, if he's got just a box SXE 480 and he wants to say a thousand to 1200 horsepower, I know that that thing's going to be like somewhere in the realm of like 3,700 to about 4,500 RPM. And we're going to want to make sure that at that point, he's down in the uh, microseconds injector on time, 14 to 1700 injector on time, anything over that, if he's at 2,500, he needs a bigger injector. And if he's down at like 800, um, as, as, a tr as, as attractive as that sounds, like getting the injector to make that kind of fuel in that shorter duration, it doesn't really respond that well in most motors. So to tell me you want a six by 10 isn't really the correct way to order an injector. Like it's, it's basically up to us to start with something that we think is gonna be close 
and then we adjust the wire diameter within a tenth of a thousandth of an inch on the way up. We finally get the hole size to where it is. We get it to where the AFM moves at about five liters per minute, and that recipe will change in six months. If you ask me, I, I guarantee I'm going to throw a different number out there. But today, if I was building a set of injectors for my mom or my own truck, I would target them to be, let's just say if it was going to settle at 60 liters per minute, I would, I would EDM it up to 55 right now. And then I would K factor it to 60. With the media we've got, that seems to be the perfect recipe. As we continue to change medias, that may change. But right now, that's, the, uh, that's what I would build for myself today. And uh, then I would put them in the stand. And then we would see them pump. And if they pumped 350 mm cubed at 1700 at 180, um, and I wanted 380 mm cubed, then I would start to lean on the rate shape, which would be the, the if we're looking at like kind of a rainbow shape, it enters very slow and kind of lazy, and then it shuts off very slow and lazy. That's like the rainbow shape, right? And we don't want that. We want something that's much more like a 90 degree line across the tabletop that's flat and then shuts off immediately. We currently don't have a way to measure rate shape on a line like that. So that tool is coming. It's, it's on a boat. It's on its way here. I'm super stoked about that. So that being said, um, once we get rate shape, that'll be something that we can, right now we're literally tuning those things by ear. Right? <laughs> and if you, when the people showed me rate shape, uh, the tool, they were like, oh, well, how did you do this? And I'm like, well, I, you can hear it. And they, no, you can't hear rate shape. I said, well, I can, apparently. Like, they're like, well, you can't do it twice. So I had another injector and they were like, well, how the hell did you do that? I'm like, you hear it. And they're like, well, there's no way you can do that. And they're, they're kind of right, but they're also wrong. Um, if you don't have the tools, but you know that you build it this way with this recipe and it sounds this way in the stand, and then you put them in a vehicle on the dyno or on the street and they respond a certain way or another. You want to modify the way that it responds without changing a bunch of other stuff. You basically change the rate shape. So, because even though if it'll pump 350 mm cubed, but only for a brief window of time at the peak of that rainbow, then who cares? If it'll pump 350 mm cubed all the way across that top being flat, of the injection event, that's when you're actually stabbing some fuel in there and things are happening really well. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're growing and we're spending all of our profit on new tools and technology to try and basically build something for this industry that we've never had the ability to, uh, to support in the past. And, uh, and we're growing like crazy. So it, it must be working. Yeah. That's, that's one of the, uh, the things from the episodes we've done. And, and talked about this stuff is the the precision and all the things you're working on every time we chat there's something new and it's something really exciting whether it's you know for the the vehicles that are on the racetrack or, or you know like pikes peak or drag racing or sled pulling um or the the daily drivers and that was something i, I wanted to ask you because i i know that uh you know you have uh, strong well thought out opinions and a lot of it recently in around diesel has been like a fuel costs. And, um, it's like this, uh, people are looking for, you know, what do I do to increase the fuel economy? Cause it's so expensive. And I know it fluctuates a little bit day to day and, and every week, but we don't know how long it's going to be 
over four dollars a gallon or some places are way you know way higher than four four dollars is how do injectors factor into that especially with this technology and the things that that you're working on the the data that you've acquired and the experience to be able to deliver that to somebody who's um, you know it's a daily driver something they tow with and they're just looking to have or get a little bit better fuel economy as part of you know, there's so many things that affect it, but just specifically with the injector side. So for fuel economy, and I, and I feel the pain because actually last weekend, uh, I took our UCC truck down to Denver and I was in ATS parking lot. I didn't even eat lunch in Denver. I turned and burned. So I kept track, used, you know, the same credit card for me to drive to Denver with a UCC truck, pretty light, no engine turn around, drive back with an empty trailer. I spent 1,550 bucks on fuel. That was a brutal couple of days. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not, it's a 16 hour drive for me each way. So basically, you know, 32 hours, I spent 50, almost $1,600. So yeah, it's, you know, when you're spending five bucks a gallon, it's time to pay attention. Yeah. Um, number one, the smaller the spray orifice to achieve the horsepower desired, the better off you're going to be. Number two, K factors, no bullshit. That's real. If you bought a Chinese injector that's a five by 10 or a six by 12 or whatever, it more than likely has no K factor in it and it was just EDM'd. So the feed portion, when the, uh, I don't know if the camera's going to work very well, but when the needle valve is in the very bottom of the injector, when that needle valve is at closure, it only lifts, we're talking micron, we're talking thousands of an inch, and then fluid has to squeeze around the nose of the needle valve. So it's got to squeeze around that little guy on the very tip. And as it flows past that needle valve, it's got to spray out those orifices. So if those orifices, if you look at that orifice like yay, and around this area where that needle valve, when the needle valve goes to lift, if this edge is a 90 degree lip, fluid doesn't turn 90 degrees ever it will always overshoot and it basically creates a low pressure system right over that 90 degree edge so even though the outside face of that hole may be 10 thousandths of one inch you're actually feeding it with like six thousandths oh, okay well i'm just going to go to a, a, an eight thousandths hole okay well now you're in an eight thousandths hole you're feeding it with like a five thousandths of an inch so with k factor you create a chamfer and a radius so when the needle valve goes to lift, it's smooth, pushes itself all the way through that hole. So if you've got a 10 thousandths hole, you're feeding it with like 13 or 14 thousandths. It's a big deal. So, yeah. you know, we often talk about uh, uh, rail pressure, but nobody ever thinks, and there's really no way to measure it. But nozzle pressure is actually what we should be most concerned about because whatever fuel pressure is leaving the face of that nozzle is actually what's going to try and burn. So when when rail pressure drops, that's measurable. We see it on a scan tool and we know they run like garbage when rail pressure deviates. But nozzle pressure, if you've got Chinese garbage, that's, you know, we can buy those things for $17.50 each. And we could pedal them and they would be on the street and they would run. They would never run awesome. And they would never give you optimum fuel economy. It would create a smoky, more powerful truck than you used to have but it wouldn't be optimum because especially today when it was a buck 75 buck 80 a gallon nobody really was too concerned but apparently people are concerned because in the past 
Well, the last week of last month, so that was what, two weeks ago now, is that right? Yeah, two weeks ago. That last week, we sold well over 100 sets of VP44 injectors in one week. And we also did the same with like all the 12 valve stuff. So this, it's becoming real. People are starting to pay attention. And uh, when you're moving that kind of injectors, watching the warranty rate, the percentage drops, the numbers of warranties go up because, you know, if you're going to sell 1200 injectors in a week, obviously something's going to get installed wrong. My guys may have done something wrong. So warranty goes up a little bit, phone calls go up, but man, you're moving so many bloody parts, the percentage actually drops. Uh, so, you know, that's another thing is our warranty rate is ridiculously low for, for how many parts that we're slinging. And I attribute that to the tools and the passion, like everybody in here, I can walk downstairs and everybody's in a pretty good mood usually. And everybody's like kicking ass and having fun. And uh, we employed a new policy just a few, well, probably a year ago. Um, you know, cell phones have become a real thing. And uh, listening to like, say, Darren Hardy, he he's just a real estate guy that I listen to on, you know, YouTube or whatever. He's really big on focus, focus, focus. And, you know, if I grab my cell phone and I look at a cat video, the video may be 15 <laughs> seconds long. No shit. The video might be 15 seconds long, but I've taken my brain away from like what I was just doing. If I was functioning on this thing and somebody, you know, sends me a, a meme and I look at the meme for five seconds and I put my phone down, yeah. where was, I? what was I doing with this and where was I with this? So effectively you just lose like three minutes of time over just a few seconds. Right. And, and I saw it coming and our guys, we get paid off bonus basically. So everybody gets like an hourly wage. And then if the company's really succeeding, then the guys in the shop share a bonus as well. So I recommended to the guys that we left our phones on the lunch table. And I don't care how many times a day you walk out and check your phone, but get your ass out of my injection shop and go look at your phone. If you got to grab Gerber for the baby or grab milk on the way home or whatever, that's cool. Just do it at the lunch table because I want to know that when you're in the injector shop, you're actually focused on your job. And that has, I would say that helped our, that decreased our warranty rate by a lot. Just little, little things inside the company all over. That's something that uh, I always enjoy listening um, to you chat about that that uh that side of it because there's um you know we there, there's still the supply issues who knows when those are going to end and then you have this increased demand for um you know whether it's to maintain a truck upgrade a truck keep it running because you can't just go out into a dealer lot and buy a brand new one or you're waiting forever or like ford turning off the ordering for super duties till august or september whatever it is you know we're all looking to you know keep our vehicles running and you had mentioned something earlier about testing products and things in-house and i know that there's other industries diesel's probably included in this as well probably every industry where the manufacturer will almost beta test out there in the public and you know i see it in other other types of, of things where they use their customers to be able to test stuff and it's like we don't have the time we don't have the materials you know um time is money we're trying to do all these things and to see how you've put these concepts together i know the the business owners the diesel shop owners that listen um 
it's just people who who run even businesses and other complete industries have told me about your episodes. I love listening to what he what he does with um, his crew there. The 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 principles or the things that he tries because i look at my business and i think am i doing this the most efficient how am i encouraging my employees to work the hardest how am i delivering the best product or the best service that i can so i always love hearing you talk about that and then we're comparing it to diesel trucks which i'm passionate about so i'm I'm understanding okay this is what he's doing with the injectors this is what he's doing with the media that he's talking about this is how um, he's testing this stuff this is how uh, what, what he's learning at the racetrack or at the dyno booth or in the machine it's applying towards this 12 valve or VP 44 truck or seven, three or six, seven Cummins, whatever it might be. It's so cool to see all that be brought together and, and produce something that's, that's really, really awesome. And I think revolutionary in diesel, not just with injectors, but the whole thing is yeah. you know, seeing you grow with it. Yeah. It's <clears throat> to me, like uh, running the company is a lot of fun, but it's also very taxing. Uh, with one thing that I've learned just in the last six or eight months is with me being out on the, and I'm, I'm really blessed. I'm super thankful that I'm actually able to afford the time to go out to my house and be there for every little thing, because I'm building exactly my house. Like when we're, when we're working on stuff and we start to lay it out and I'm like "Eh," six inches over here, three inches there, do this an angle, do this straight. It, it turns out to be my house. It's exactly the way I wanted it. And if I wasn't there day in and day out every single day, it wouldn't turn out that way. Yeah. So first and foremost, like I'm blessed. I'm, I'm super thankful and very appreciative. I get that opportunity. But when I come to town, which is every single morning because our gym is in our building, and then I have a meeting and then I go to work out at the house. Every single day, I ask everybody in the crew, what's going on in your world? What's going on in your world? What's going on in your world? And we call it the morning huddle, uh, a buddy of mine, Bruce, he's got a company with 250 machinists and they have huddles every single day. All the different teams have small huddles and it's 10, 15 minutes and everybody gets a finger pointed. Like, what are you, you and you doing? And if you go hmm, nothing, you stop. And you ask the guy, what? Cause if you're doing nothing and you got no problems, then we really need to probably give you a lot more responsibility because <laughs> tomorrow I expect to hear about some shit. <laughs> and uh you know that way because there's nobody that you want to pay hard-earned money for not doing anything right yeah so everybody downstairs knows that we're going to have the huddle they're all going to get asked how's your workstation what's going on or is there something hanging up in your workstation F- example fuel filters for the test stands come from europe so unfortunately it's all uh it's just european sizing it's like a basically like a, a metric uh, imperial metric is what they call it so the only way for me to actually build a fuel filter would be to revamp the entire stand and then we've done that with one of the stands we actually put a fast pump in one of our stands and it worked out really good so just yesterday i uh, i sent a text message to spencer at fast i'm like hey dude these are the filters on this can you send me a, you know a box of these so i don't have to ask you in a few more months uh, because we change the fuel filter to stands at least once every 60 days. Um, if your stand takes a crap, you're no good to the rest of the crew. So if you're running out of filters, if you're running out of calibration oil, we're, we're getting to the point where the injectors are pumping so much so fast, it's very hard on these test stands. And uh, the new test stand that we have coming with 
the rate shape involved in it, that's going to be where all the really big stuff gets built from now on. Because physically, it's double in size, like all the lines that feed it and then they receive the fuel. Physically, it's like double that size of the stuff we have now. So in the future, like we're, we're currently like knocking on the door 3,000 horsepower. I don't know where that stops. If somebody makes, you know, Fleece has now got that billet block running for, uh, for Derek Rose. If that some bitch lives at 3,500 horsepower, then we're going to be making injectors that'll make 4,000 horsepower. Yeah. So yeah, we're buying tools that seem futuristic today. 12 months from now, it might not be futuristic. It might be mandatory. So yeah, I mean, this place, it's exciting because we're finally getting to the end of our, our dinos. She sent me, basically there's a, a little gauge that all dinos need. It's called the strain gauge. The strain gauge is made in Austria. Um, and there's this dipshit, his name's Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> he one day was like, screw your freedom, screw your freedom, get your mask on. And then later on that day, like the Austrian was uh, out running around California in his Hummer, you know, smoking a cigar and no mask. I got no respect for that guy. But the problem and why I bring him into this is in Austria where the strain gauge is made, that shut this dyno process down for months and months and months. So since they finally were able to build, they, they could finally go back to work. That's something about America that like we shut down for a bit, other countries shut down for months yeah. and their government subsidized so they could at least live, right? The strain gauge is on its way. It was supposed to have been delivered to Texas yesterday and the strain gauge that we're waiting on will go into our dyno and then they can finish building the rest of it so we can get this thing back up and running like uh the dyno building is done the garage that all of our stuff is going to get worked on we pour we were supposed to pour concrete yesterday and miraculously mother nature decided that winter wasn't over so it dropped below freezing and we canceled concrete for a week and we're going to reschedule for next week uh these are exciting like exciting days for us because we've got so many projects lined out that we just need a spot to work on them and uh and I've hired a guy as a manager to do the business daily stuff. Because like I say, without me being here, um, there's been a little bit of, there's kind of a riff. You know, you get one guy that's just all fired up on Wednesday yeah. and then Thursday is not that fired up. We need somebody here to kind of keep everybody in the lanes uh, when I'm not here. And that way we can be out there doing carb testing and EO testing and, and just general performance testing at the same time. Um, so I'm, I'm really, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on in this company for as small as we are, there's a lot of moving pieces that move really quickly. And, uh, I think that's just an attribute to how amazing my people are really, because I'm not the one doing it all. I promise. Yeah. I think the organizational part is probably incredibly important and probably uh, one of the main reasons you're able to do, like you just said so much because of the people that you have and then the way that you organize it so you can maximize the time there, what you're producing, you have all these great ideas, these things you're working on, um, really cutting edge stuff for you know, like the aftermarket. Like, I mean, even just in general, like you were talking about you know, these OEMs do 6,000 injector sets a day the same way they're focused on volume. Well, now I'm going to build however many injectors that are all different and I need to, you got to stay you know, on that curve and, and invest in it. Well, who's you know, who's, who's doing these other things, these day-to-day -day things in the business and, and yeah. keeping everything running. Yeah. So one thing that, that I do want to mention 
is inside of like common rail injectors, we've got these needle valves, right? Yeah. These are two different ones. You really won't be able to see much, but basically these needle valves, the thickness of that, this is 3.5 millimeters right there. And this one is four millimeters. So some of the trucks, common rail 5.9, LB7, LLY, that came with a four millimeter needle valve. And then the receiving cup inside the 6.7 liter uh, Cummins and the LBZ on later Duramax, that's all three and a half millimeter needle valve. So we've been waiting. The first one that we did obviously was the four millimeter valve. And then once we got the four millimeter valve in production, testing, running, we started reshaping the tip, no different than anybody that's ever done like a multi-angle valve job. The, the tip flow can create or destroy um, either idle or pre-injection or main injection event. So we had to design a tip that worked correctly for what we were trying to do. Once we finally were like, okay, four millimeters, good. Now we've got our blank for all the LB7s. We got our blank for the uh, LLY. We got our blank for the uh, Cummins 5.9, good to go. Because we can do all the rest of the work in-house. Like as long as those blanks show up exactly the way they're supposed to show up, then we take care of the rest. Then the next step has been on the three and a half millimeter valve, which traditionally speaking is the higher pressure trucks, 6.7 liter Cummins, uh, LBZ and later Duramax uh, stuff. With three and a half millimeter stuff, the, the learning curve wasn't quite so steep because we had already figured out like needle to nozzle clearance, already figured out the shape and the, of the tip. Um, so we just recently got our first batch of that stuff in about 20 or 30 days ago. And we've been recently beating up those on the streets and they're working out really well. So this is game changing because as we as we know that we're not gonna have a bunch of warranties and we start to turn the faucet on, 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 faster, 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 pretty soon we'll have recipes that are gonna give you like really good performance for whatever desired level you're at. But it's also gonna be like number one, you know, a fuel efficiency and efficiency of the overall combustion process period being the first and foremost goal. Anybody can make horsepower. If you don't care how much you spray at it and if you don't care how much air you throw down its throat, you can make horsepower but trying to get the motor happy under the curve, that takes a lot more effort. And that's where, you know, your drag vehicle, yeah, you pull it up, you stage it, and then you run the thing at wide open throttle. But that's, you know, one in several thousand vehicles. The other several thousand have to spend most of their time under the curve and they need to be happy under the curve. They need to be happy, not just to peak power. They need to be happy from idle all the way up, right? Yeah. This stuff... The stuff that we're learning with, you know, the chase fleeces and, you know, all these guys that are like doing a lot of dyno testing, the stuff that we learn from those guys on the really ultra high end of performance, that stuff carries into daily driven street vehicles pretty dang well. So I'm, I'm just excited to be partnering with a lot of the people that we're aligned with and, uh, you know, not just my employees, not just myself, not just my daughter, but you know, everybody else that we're partnered with in the streets that uh, has their own dyno and has their own trucks, has their own engines, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I mean, just, man, the sky's the limit. Like you, 
diamond pistons. Those guys are awesome. They do a great job. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you want a custom bowl? Well, let them know. Like in, you know, four to 16 weeks, you'll have your own bowl. And whether it works or it doesn't, they don't care. Like you just asked for it and they built it. But if you ask for it and it works, that separates you a little bit from the other guys, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it is it's really cool. And I think not to go off on too much of a tangent, but I think that's why the uh, you know the racing side of things is is so important because, like you mentioned, what what you learn on these high end builds, you're translating into, I'm sure, some of the lessons to emissions testing products and daily drivers and towing applications, and it's it, it it's so crucial, you know, with that side of it, and um, you know, just seeing seeing what's going on and you know earlier you'd mentioned you know with uh, your crew there is you know like listening to them and and uh you know trying to have like your finger on the pulse of what's going on and something i like to do with the podcast is listen to not just our listeners but then just people in diesel in general and conversations i see on different social media platforms and you know you touched on some of the questions people ask like leaders per minute percent over but if someone's looking to buy injectors what are three things and if I don't know a lot, I haven't listened to podcasts, I haven't read a whole bunch, but I, I know I need to buy a set of injectors. What are three things I should ask to, you know, a company before I buy them? Um, or, you know, if it's a dealer or something like that, what are what are three things you think are really important before you swipe the credit card, enter the credit card number and put them in your truck? I, I really think that today, the very first one is if I give you my money, when will my product ship? That's in, in 2022, in next year, who knows what's today. That's the first question. When's my stuff going to ship? Because more than likely you're buying injectors because you need your truck on the road. And if they take your money, but it's six to eight weeks before you get your truck on the road. Well, that's probably something you should consider because a rental is going to be kind of spendy for a couple of months. Yeah. Number two, like warranty rate. Everybody's got warranties. I don't care if you're building, you know, DVD players, Blu-ray players, or trucks, injectors, whatever. Everything has a warranty rate. And I would say number three, like generally speaking, how will this perform in my application? Um, do us all a favor. Don't prescribe your own size injector and then call the injector company and then complain about it because you and the tuner can't turn it down ask i always like to know like what one of the first things is turbocharger um and the reason for that if you call me and say you want enough injector for a thousand or 800 horsepower and i go oh, okay cool and then i build you an injector big enough to do it and you call me back three days later all hot and bothered because uh well your motor's melted and i go man that we've done these injectors two thousand times what size turbo you got and then you tell me it's stock now it's too little too late you may not have known better but i didn't care to ask either so when we sell injectors we try and give it percentage over how much horsepower they'll support we try and give everybody so no matter what language you speak we're trying to give you enough information that it gets you in the path of where you need to be so i mean those would be the three things that i would kind of focus on is you know, reliability of the product. So that would be like, you know, warranty rate and then ship ability. Is it going to ship or is it not? Uh, that's something that we've really, that's caused us some grief. Um, inventory was triple at one point what it normally is comfortably. 
but that's okay because we sold all of them several times over. Uh, and then just making sure you get the right size stuff. Like tuners today are really good, but you can't tune a nozzle spray orifice smaller. So if you live in an area like Denver, where, I mean, your guys' weather is the most bipolar craziness. Like one day it's like 68 degrees and sunny. And yeah. the next day it's blowing 35 degrees. It's 32 degrees and snowing. And the next day it's back to 68 and sunny. Like you don't really want to. And then what's the elevation of Denver? Like 5,500 feet in town, isn't it? Yeah, like 52, 5,300, depending on. So, right so a tuner lives in South Carolina or Florida or seattle somewhere at sea level and he's used to driving vehicles at sea level and he tells you living in denver to go buy a set of 200 percent overs to make a thousand horsepower it's not the right call you live in denver you should use more pressure and more microseconds than what a 200 percent is going to require but you should use something down around 100 percent over because when you cold start it and when you drive around town Denver, going from stoplight to stoplight, the holes are smaller. The injectors are going to be smaller. They're going to act better on the street. You drive down to sea level with that same vehicle, and it's going to be lickety split, like ultra fast responsive. You'll never, you won't even believe it's the same truck. Um, to where, like, if a guy's in Florida or in Seattle or in, you know, say Sacramento, someplace is closer to sea level, you can fudge injector sizing a little bit and get away with it because the air quality is so much better. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you got a, a 40 yard sprinter in uh, Sacramento versus one at, uh, you know, Denver. It's a little different deal, right? Yeah. That's what makes it tough with the, the kind of, uh, the cookie cutter power recipes is they don't all apply. And it's, well, that's, what's so cool about doing podcasts and being able to, you know, chat with you about this stuff is it, it gets, it gets us thinking, what are the questions I need to ask? Um, what are the things I should focus on? You know, am I going to be asked, Hey, what elevation are you at? Or where do you normally race? Or, you know, do you travel everywhere? You know, are you a hot shotter and you're, yeah. you, know, you know, seeing, seeing uh, tons of variables, but uh, I think that'll definitely, definitely help people you know, kind of ask the right questions. It's like I said, I, I don't know the right things to ask and, and uh, just being able to you know think about that when I'm calling around or asking places, no matter what type of product it is, is, is incredibly helpful. So it's always, it's always cool to, to catch up with you and, and see what you're doing. It's uh, like I said, there's, um, you know, fans that you have that are on the podcast, so, you know, are always asking me, when's Lenny coming back on? Ask him this question. I'm thinking about injectors, ask him this one and, uh, and stuff. So that's, that's a really cool part of it. Man, it's flattering because like, honestly, I'm not, I'm just an average cat that wakes up and gets it done and tries. Uh, but I've always enjoyed my industry, you know, like this whole industry, whether it's uh, listening to people, you know, chant about whatever they believe is to be correct or what have you. Um, a lot of things that people blurt out, like on the, on the forums, they think it's correct. And sometimes they're right. And sometimes they're wrong. And, and I'm always going to say like, with disclaimer today, I'm going to tell you this, this, and this as fact tomorrow, my facts may change because yeah. we do some more testing. We do some more research and we find that, you know, nothing in this, uh, the dynamics of performance is never going to be like, I guess there's some certain physics that are always going to be the same, but the more you test, the more you learn, the more you learn, the more you change. And uh, our recipes, you know, we're constantly, it's not even worth trying to update people. Um, I guess example is our like 100, I think 100 to 100 and 
it's either right at no, it's a hundred hundred. So VP forty four injectors, hundred horsepower and bigger. We're now using a sack type nozzle, and we EDM them to a six hole, and they've got a DLC coated needle valve and everything like seventy five horse on down. We're still using basically just a P eight twenty tip that we modify. And the reason for that is because like when you go to 100 horsepower and then go bigger, VP44 gets super smoky, right? So we just figured out that we didn't have to have them smoky if we just threw all the nozzles off to the side, started over, and then made our own. And now that we can burn our hole within a tenth of a thou, uh, and then we choose you know, to get our K factor just the way it is, we can make 100 horsepower, 125, 200 horsepower injectors pretty damn smoke-free. But you're not going to do that on a PA20 tip. It's not going to work. I've tried a few years. You just you're not going to get it all out. So uh, you know, but you can't really update people with that because if we if we did that, the amount of bulletins would be three a week. There'd be so many of them, and then somebody calls up and goes, "Hey man, I'm working with this tuner, or I've got this Quadzilla box and it doesn't run right." Okay, well now we got to rethink why and where you're at and what you do with your truck. And then we may have to edit our recipe a little bit again. So we're constantly moving stuff, but it's exciting. It's fun. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, like the way you built injectors, you know, in 2009 or 10 or 12 or 13 is going to be vastly different than now. It's going to be like that in the future. So, you know, next year you might, might be something completely different that you're, that you're doing, but I think, uh, you know, just see the, the cutting edge of it, um, it is what really has me excited. And, and I always look forward to, you know, doing the next episode because there's new questions or new things I see that you guys post on Instagram or Facebook. And, and, uh, it's, it's just really cool to see that innovation and what you're doing with dynamite diesel products. So I, I appreciate you chatting with me again today and, and, uh, giving us some you know, really great info and answering some of those questions that, uh, I know our listeners have, and I'll be keeping my eye out for, for some updates, things you guys are working on. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it, Patrick. Thank you for having me on and we'll catch you later. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head, head on over to our Discord. You're going to find a link down below on uh, on YouTube, or if you search the Diesel Podcast on Instagram, we got a link right there in our bio. Um, there's a lot of great content that uh, you guys ask for, a lot of awesome questions and builds. I want to see you guys over there. I also want to give a shout-out to a couple of our Patreon sponsors. Um, Caleb writes Diesel Services, Texas Diesel Supply. We appreciate their support, all of our other Patreon support, and everyone who, who has listened to us throughout the years, going back to January 2016, the people who subscribe to our Instagram, our YouTube channel, our Facebook, the questions you guys send us, whether you're a truck owner, a shop, a company, we love hearing from you guys and appreciate your support. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.